0: Tracks, a podcast that connects you with stories about music's powerful ability to impact our lives. I'm Danian, your host and lifelong music lover. I talk with musicians, music scholars, music writers, and especially music fans to explore the tracks that have inspired and influenced them most. If you remember Richard Marx, you most likely recall his hugely popular ballads from the late 1980s and early 90s and possibly not much else. He had immediate success with his debut album in 1987, his next two albums were multi-million sellers in the U.S., and his videos were all over MTV. To date, he is the only male artist to have their first seven singles reach the top five on the Billboard charts. So it's no question that he did very well. But by the mid-90s, musical taste had shifted in a big way, and although many of his hits were actually rock tracks, his mainstream appeal waned, and his reputation for the love ballads is what stuck. Despite this, he has sustained a solid career writing hit songs for other artists like Ringo Starr, Barbra Streisand, Vince Gill, Luther Vandross, and Keith Urban. He released a new album in 2020, published an autobiography in 2021, and is currently on tour. Dawn Lyons is with me to talk about the impact of Richard's music on her life and work and why he may be an underappreciated artist. Dawn, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm excited to be here to talk about this. Great. Um, so let me ask you this. How and when did you become a fan of Richard Marx?
1: So it must have been, I think maybe around 1987, he had released his first self-titled album and the first single from that, Don't Mean Nothing, uh, the title, and I heard it. And I don't know why, but it just caught me somehow. Um, big music fan my whole life. My parents big into music. They had separate album areas where they like dad had his albums on the one side, mom had her albums on the other side, and then they were always arguing about he was going to play which albums that day. So music was always in our house. So I was a huge fan, exposed to it forever. Um, so I was always in my room listening to the radio and discovering things. And somehow this song of his came on the radio and it just hooked me somehow and I had to know more about it. And so I called the radio station and asked, like, who is this? What's going on? And I was pretty young then, like I was a teenager, I guess. I must have been 14 or so. Um, But anyway, so I called and I asked. And so then I thought, well, I'm I'm just going to pay attention to see what else happens after this. So then the second single from the album was Should Have Known Better. And I... Don't really know what it was about that song either, but I was hooked forever. As soon as I heard that second single come out, I was like, oh, this is something. There's something going on. I have to follow this person like forever. I can't even explain it to you. I don't know what it was. And then kind of a funny story. I think it was that new year he performed on one of the TV shows that does like a live from Disney. And I couldn't wait to see it because I needed to have a face and some sort of performance aspect to put this all together. Like, was this really a thing? And so, of course, he did this live performance and knocked it out of the park, and i was I was just in awe at the TV watching. Um, my father responded by saying, "Well, that's an interesting yellow shirt he has on, like kind of just <laughs> to poke me because, like I had found this amazing thing. So that's how I found him. That's how he came into my life, and i I can't nail down exactly what it was, but I've been hooked ever since then.
0: And I think that's how it normally goes, right? You can't really pinpoint or describe it it just it happens you had shared with me before we talked today that his music saved you from utter despair in your teen years and still inspires you as a writer and that's a really
1: powerful thing to say can you explain a little more about that um i can try to okay uh, that's fair at all- And I'll try not to get emotional explaining it. So I think I mentioned involved with music my whole life. So not only listening, but I I played a bunch of instruments. I was in a bunch of bands in high school and all of the music classes. I even arranged, I think it's called Real World from Richard's first album because we had to do a band arrangement of a song of our favorite artist in music class. So I had even done an orchestral arrangement of it. So really deeply into music so in high school i was 17 and my dad died quite suddenly and extremely unexpectedly and wow. um i was daddy's girl and like we were buddies and we mm-hmm. hung out um it was a very like friend parent relationship in a good way oh, so it was great. horrendous and only child and my parents were soulmates so mm. my mom had a super hard time with it and so she can support me through it but, anyways, the moral of the story is that it was a horribly difficult, life-changing, derailing time. And what was really odd about it for me was where, you know, get to your room close the door turn on music would have normally been a thing for me. I couldn't do it after Dad had died. There was mm-hmm. no music that and I don't know if it was like a feeling in the music and therefore I couldn't listen to it, or I didn't want to hear the singing in the music. I'm not really sure what it was, but there was no music that I could listen to to find solace and find all those things that I would normally find, like energy and rhythm and falling in love with words. There was nothing I could do that with, except Richard Marx's music. And the worse things got, and the more the more dark things got is in like maybe I don't need to be here maybe I need to go be with dad the only thing that would save me from those super dark despairing moments were to turn on the two albums that he had out at the time and that lasted for a really really long time before all of a sudden I could go back to like radio music and whatever the top 40 was and get back involved in that it was a really long time so if he hadn't been there and those two albums hadn't been there, I'm not really even sure how those years would have gone for me.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. Thank counts. you for listening. Yeah. Um, I've, I I want to know if you ever had the opportunity to see him live. And if so, what are some of the more memorable experiences that you've had?
1: So I'm super lucky that I've seen him, I believe, it, seven times. I was trying to count this earlier and probably it would have been more times had I not had children when he kind of started retouring and they were very small and made it really hard for me to travel because of course he sadly never comes right to this city so I always have to travel to see him Um, but so lucky to have seen him seven times and I've been to a lot of concerts I've seen a lot of artists again music very important so I've seen a lot of people live but He is probably the only one that wherever he is nearby, I will go back. He never kind of calls in a performance. Like Mm -hmm. he always gives it full out. It's always different. Sometimes he's got a full band. Sometimes he's got an orchestra. Sometimes he's by himself with his acoustic guitar. So it's always different. The energy is always different. And I don't think he ever takes for granted that he's there doing that. So I'll always... Always go back, however many times that is. Well, he still tours. Um, so the first time I saw him was in the mid to late nineties, and he came to a summer amusement park near Toronto. And of course, the radio station was giving away tickets. And of course, I called until I was blue in the face until I won them, <laughs> so that I could go. And I remember the person that went with me. We were sitting there, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And the lights went down and the spotlights went on and then everybody started to scream. And so the person who was with me poked me and said, there he is. What are you doing? Because I wasn't screaming because he came out on the stage and I was so overcome that he was right there. So now I'm getting welled up. So anyway, so that was the first time that I saw him. It was, of course, amazing after that. Once I pulled my stuff together, Mm -hmm. um, high energy rock show. Then years later, sort of when the internet became a thing, and I ended up on this list server where you could get messages and we had a name, we called ourselves the Repeat Offenders, which was the name of his second album. So it was this little Repeat Offenders group where all these fans came together and shared all these messages and shared what they knew about what he was doing. He performed at a festival in his hometown of Chicago and I was like, well, I have to go. Have to go. He's performing in his hometown. I have to go, so I went to that, and somehow a bunch of us had an opportunity to go to the soundcheck. That was fantastic, and I was so grateful to have this opportunity to do this. So on this list server that we were on, all of the European fans started saying, "Hey, we have this petition that we want someone to take for us because we haven't seen him since." So he had the mullet haircut yeah oh yeah i remember Remember. the mullet quite well (laughs) so then then he cut the mullet so it had been years and years and years since he hadn't had the mullet and so they were like the last time he toured in europe he had the mullet so we have this petition it has this big picture of him with the mullet and we need him to know that he hasn't been here since then he needs to come back and show us his new self and his new hairdo and all these new songs He, he needs to come play them for us So I'm so grateful to have this opportunity at all. I of course say, sure, mail it to me and I'll take it. So I'm at the sound check. And so then they're bringing us all out, but a few people can go up to the stage and say hi and whatever. Everybody knows I have this petition I have to give him. So I'm kind of bringing up the rear of all the other people who are going through and probably saying all of the things they should be saying. I get up there at the end and present him this petition. So he looks at the picture and he starts laughing. Yeah, and I and I say exactly. Your European fans want you to know that this is what you looked like the last time you performed there, and that they would really like to see you back. They missed you, yada yada, blah blah. Mm-hmm. So we had a laugh about that. He said, "Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. I need to do that. That's ridiculous." And then of course the staff is trying to prepare the stage and everything else for the night's event so they're shuffling us out of there so of course I didn't take the moment when I should have said I adore you you saved me from utter despair when this happened to me didn't say any of those things at all but gave my time to these other people who needed to see him which is great and I don't regret doing that but since then I still haven't had the opportunity to say like hey you saved me. But the world is always in motion, and so I feel like it will happen someday at some point. I'll be able to say, I'm still here because of you and your music.
0: Well, I hope sincerely that it does happen. Thank you. Yeah, because that was very generous of you to spend that few seconds in front of, you know, in front of him to talk about the petition for the other fans. So, right. I'm sorry you didn't get to do that, but yes. (laughs) I'm gonna say also that you will,
1: because I think you should. I think so too. I feel I feel like there will be a right better time to present it at some point. And if it happens to be a time where he's taking a word out of a poem I've written and sticking it into a song, that would work too. Definitely. Yes. Both of those things. Then I could die a happy woman. Like I'd be complete if that happens. (laughs) So I have another concert story. Oh, please. My family spent about 10 years or so, traveling to Florida on our emerge breaks. And as serendipity would have it, it, one of the years that we were there, he just so happened to be performing in Orlando, and we stayed about an hour away from Orlando. I'm, of course, going. There's zero chance that I'm an hour away from a Richard Marks concert, and I'm not attending it. So I decided I was going to take my eldest son, who was probably 13 or 14 at the time, so his first concert. It was one of his acoustic type shows that he does. And obviously, I follow Richard on social media. He's super active on Twitter. So I was moved to send him a tweet. I took a selfie of me and Tyson. That's my son's name. I tweeted it and tagged him and said, look, here's me and Tyson at Tyson's first concert. He replied to our tweet and liked the tweet right before he came out on stage. When I said how far we had come, right? Because from Canada to Florida to see you, my son's first concert. He was like, Like, wow, that's amazing. Thanks for coming. I hope he has a great time. Well, of course, my son is absolutely thrilled to think two minutes before this famous person came out on stage, he was tweeting about him. It was amazing. The concert's outstanding. My son is so moved. He's in love with a bunch of the songs now. So made a fan. (laughs) Made a new fan at the show. So the next morning, I wake up and get on my Twitter to post concert pictures and like, great time last night, amazing show, blah, blah, blah. And Richard Marks is already in there going, hey, did he have a good time? Buddy um, amazing. That says
0: a lot, I think, about him because, right, that he basically checked in right. um, via Twitter. <laughs> which yeah. is- hope, hope he had fun.
1: He, yeah, he had fun. Super amazing.
0: What keeps you coming back to
1: his music and makes you such a loyal fan? Sadly, I'm not hanging out with him drinking martinis and tequila. Podcast called Tequila Talk where he drinks with his wife, Daisy. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Came out of the pandemic. One of the silver linings of the pandemic, Richard Marks and Daisy Fuentes podcast. So I just feel that he, like he's a genuine straightforward individual. I feel like as I, Follow him on socials and listen to him talk. And so I appreciate that in a person. And I feel like he engages with his fans in a really genuine manner instead of sort of ignoring them. Like in his live concerts or on social media, he's always very involved. I've been to concerts where like the people just play and don't really get involved with who's out there and they don't kind of get the energy and give the energy back. But that's not how i find richard to be so i really appreciate those things and just something else he did on social media which i just thought was amazing during the pandemic he and his wife daisy would just show up and be like hey how are you guys doing and then a bunch of people would go oh my gosh i'm so stressed this happened i lost my job or the medical people would say like i i can't handle this i don't know what's happening and then he would go Okay, well, Daisy and I are going to come on live and just chat with you guys. And so they would just come on to like lift people up. And I just think that level of actual caring and compassion for people you don't actually know, but you know that they're there following you and what you're doing and paying attention to you, it's just such an impressive thing to me. I just think deep down, he's a quality person. So that's one of the things that makes me stick, I think. Yeah. But then musically, of course, I can't think of much, if anything, that he's done that I haven't liked or enjoyed. I think that even today with his latest album releases and with what he does for other artists too, but I think he always finds a way to create music and write songs in a way that creates something that uplifts you or... Somehow expresses something relatable that makes the listener feel seen somehow or understood somehow, and I guess probably a lot of musicians must do this, and that's how we connect with their music. And I guess that's how hits are made, and that's how people get fan followings that follow them all over. I don't know. His stuff just it it lifts me up and it connects me and it makes me feel like my human experience and my emotions like they're not irregular or ridiculous like somehow they make sense and somehow we're all here and we're all in this and when he has a song that soundtracks something I'm going through it just seems like like of course and that makes sense and then I don't know it makes me feel a little less alone somehow and a little more I don't want to say more sane but just I don't know, like accurate somehow or just okay somehow. Very difficult to put into words, I guess, which as a writer is interesting that I can't put words to something, but. Well,
0: actually, um, I actually think that was very well said. For some, it's so <laughs> difficult you. to thank. articulate, that was very well said. Yeah, it just sounded like maybe just validated, you know, somehow, I guess.
1: Validated. Validated is a good word. And to express the feeling the the feelings or the situation probably in maybe a way that I even as a writer wouldn't, but like, oh my gosh, yes, that that is the thing. Um, And his voice as well, I guess, just because I've listened so much and so often and repeatedly, it just kind of centers me somehow and brings me back to myself. I, th- I think just because it's been such a long time that yeah. his voice has been present in my world. So I guess that would be a reason. And then his lyric writing is so incredible to me. It's just phenomenal the way he writes and the way he puts words together. And as a writer myself, I find it so moving and so inspiring the way he's able to do it. And I know that he says the music comes first and then he'll come up with a lyric for the music and he hums sounds or whatever and then comes up with words. And I'm kind of awed by the fact that he can hum the sound of a word and then come up with words that string together to create emotions and feelings and betterness and like fun. There's so many of the songs that just make me dance around my house mm-hmm. and that lift me up. So it's not that they're deep or these super love songs, which. are are great as well but he has these songs that I'll, i'll dance around my house and like i'll rock out in my house to them but then they still have these lyrics that i'm just utterly amazed by all the time i heard him once tell someone who asked him how he gets over writer's block and he said that there is no writer's block if you're a writer you just have to write something and so it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be the final thing. It doesn't even have to be something that you use, but that you just have to write something every day. And so that inspires me every day that if I write a sentence or a line of a poem every day or a sentence of a work of fiction every day, like I've written that day. I guess also one of the things that just will make me a lifelong fan forever is, of course, that his music saved me. When I had nothing else, I had that. So there's just always that connection and that draw and that memory and that just creates an attachment that I just won't let go of ever. It's part of me, I guess. And honestly, still to this day, any bad day that I'm having is instantly made better if I turn some of his music on. I say all the time, when all else fails, Richard Marks. (laughs) that's your motto
0: it is (laughs) i like it so what songs would be on your personal soundtrack
1: most of them honestly so i have a playlist that has all of his albums on it so that i can just bring that up and hit shuffle and then get a little bit of everything which usually turns into whatever i need in that moment i think i would have to say that one of my go-to Stand the Test of Time songs is probably should have known better, which was the second release from his first album. Mm -hmm. I explained how, after my dad passed, that his music kind of saved me. My mother also has passed away and she passed in 2004. And I'd kind of been not out of Richard Marks because, of course, I kept listening to him, but I'd just kind of been out of whatever new things he was doing for a while. He did a tour and came to Niagara Falls area. So I went with one of my good friends and he was like, oh, I'm going to play you guys this new song. It was this song called Through My Veins, which he wrote about losing his father. So I sat and I heard this song and it was like he had brought both of my parents into the room and that they were like, you're going to be okay. And I remember sitting there and I actually sat all by myself at the show for some reason. No one was on either side of me. And it was the first time I had heard this song, which of course, when you hear a song live and it's in the theater and the acoustics and the volume level, right? So it's way more intense than if you had watched it on YouTube or listened to the actual production. So of course it was even more moving than it probably would have been normally. And I just remember sitting there looking at him performing this song and I had these tears streaming down my cheeks and I was thinking, how does he do this? How does he just come up with these things right at the time when I need to have it. So it's not a regular on my playlist, but the moments where I need to sit in the loss and the anguish and do the sobbing and get it out and then move on, then I have to put in my earbuds and that's one of the ones I play, which I guess isn't like a fun let's go song, but but it's definitely one of the ones that's on my list because it's so cathartic for me. Um, Touch of Heaven, When You Loved Me satisfied from the repeater thunder albums like an empowerment anthem probably for a lot of people and certainly for me if i'm feeling like i can't do something put that song on and like start doing it of course he's known apparently for his ballads which is a bit of a sticking point for me because i like to tell anyone who will listen that he's a rock star but i have some ballads in there now and forever which is a popular one mm-hmm. i adore that one I think based on his vocals and possibly the lyrics. And then there's one on, I think it's on Limitless. It's called Not In Love and it wrecks me every time I hear it. Mm. it. wrecks me. So
0: you mentioned that most people only know him for his ballads,
1: which doesn't make you terribly happy. I just generally suggest that people dig into his catalog. If they really went and pulled up some of his album's and pressed Play, I think it would be impressed upon them how versatile he is. I picked up his memoir and like, oh my God, did he write these Keith Urban songs that I'm dancing to all the time? So no one knows they're in love with these country songs that are actually Richard Mark songs or he's assisted in the creation of these and the production of these. And probably this is true for any musician who gets pigeonholed into a certain genre of music that really when you dig into them, that they're capable of so much more.
0: I noticed you talk quite a bit about his talent as a writer. As a writer yourself, how has he influenced your work?
1: First of all, I've been a creative writer forever, as in, like, since grade school. But I've had a career as a journalist and a copywriter, and then I also write poetry and fiction that I've just started to realize maybe I should start trying to release that to the world. But in all of those very different types of writing, His work inspires me to really sort of dig to find the right words to use because it's not certainly always the first word that comes to mind. So I'm very conscious of, first of all, finding the right word to use and then figuring out how exactly to weave those in with the other words in a way that creates sensory moments or descriptions for whoever the target readers are um certainly what i'm when i'm writing creatively and i'm sort of in the poetry kind of vibe if i'm particularly pleased with a poem i've written or a line in it then I, I will certainly think "Ooh, if only i could send this to richard and have him write a song around it just because obviously how amazing would that be that would be like a full circle life moment for me, right? So he has impacted me in that way where when I do what I want to do, I don't just want to throw some words onto a page and then hope it sticks with someone who reads it. I just want the words to be woven in a very cohesive and meaningful and moving way.
0: Don, this was such a good conversation. I really enjoyed it and thank you so much for sharing what you did today
1: dania thanks so much for having me i was thrilled to be here and um thanks for letting me share something that's so personal thanks so much for listening
0: be sure to follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app to stay up to date on episode releases and if you have a friend that you think might enjoy this show please share it with them today's music is from blue dot sessions and you can find links to episode resources in the show notes thank you again for joining me for transcendent tracks i'll see you next time